of the Lord on this Sunday morning. You can be seated for just a few moments. Let me take a brief opportunity to welcome everybody to our Christmas Eve service. Amen. I can't think of a better way to celebrate this weekend and this holiday than to be right here in the house of the Lord. Amen, somebody. And uh, there's nothing to worry about. Normally we have three church services plus a prayer meeting every week. Uh, maybe that total six to seven, eight hours. We're only having one service this Sunday, so we're only going to be here for half of that amount of time. We're only going to preach for two hours today and just... I'm joking. I'm joking. So 
Somebody needs to smile in this place. Turn and tell your neighbor, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, tell somebody else, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You want to be strong, learn how to get a smile on your face. And let the joy of the Lord live inside of you. Amen. Amen. I want to say what a privilege it is to have every one of our guests that are here. Rock Church, I need you to lift the roof off this building. Come on, we can do better than that. Help me make some noise for all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us today. Amen. I see guests all across the building, and uh, I know we have people that are here literally from one end of the country to the other out-of-state guests that are visiting us. And uh, we want to give a special uh, expression of love to all of the family members uh, uh, of our church that have come in to visit for the holidays, moms and dads and uncles and grandpas and cousins. Would you just help me welcome the extended family of God that's here today to celebrate with us? We are so honored to have you in the house of the Lord. And uh, I want to specially say how, how special it is to me. I think it's been uh, many, many years, maybe 11 years or, or better since I was able to celebrate Christmas with my mama. And I'm glad she's here with us today. Would you help me give her a warm hand clap of welcome? Amen. And uh, I'm going to hasten to the word of the Lord today. If you would stand with me all over this house, grab your Bibles. While you are standing, I want to uh, let you know that on Wednesday, Daryl was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. I think we ought to give God a praise. Even on Christmas week, revival still continues. Amen, somebody. Amen. And uh, we're grateful for what God's doing in their life. The book of Matthew chapter number 2. And verse number one is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me today. <clears throat> Matthew chapter two, verse number one says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Verse number seven. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, 
they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And for a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach going home another way. Going home another way. I wish somebody would put your Bibles down and throw your hands in the air and just declare, I came one way, but I'm going home another way this morning. Come on, would you lift your voice all across this house today? Come on, I came one way, but God, I'm going home different than I came today. Somebody give the Lord a great big praise all over this sanctuary right now. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated this morning. If you were to make a journey today to perhaps Hobby Lobby or even various residents, you would find setting on the shelf of the department store on Christmas Eve, probably 50% off. The all too familiar scene. The little characters, some of them made from ceramic, some made from wood, some made from metal, some of them small, some of them large, ranging anywhere from $9.99 to $199, designed to be placed on a mantle or a coffee table trying to communicate a story to many who have not any context for why the holiday even exists. A timeless story that is often forgot about when the decorations are taken down and everything is put back into a box. You would hear songs playing in the background about how the wise men came following the star and bringing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, which is often to what some attribute the tradition of exchanging gifts during the holidays. Songs like We Three Kings and Silent Night, Holy Night. Songs like It Came Upon a midnight clear or away in a manger. All trying to depict and tell the ageless story of the baby Jesus. You would look and see all of the pieces of the scene there on the shelf. The baby Jesus, the manger, Mary, and Joseph. If you bought the $50 version, you might get the shepherds in the field and the wise men. 
And if you bought the $200 version, maybe a couple of sheep and cows. And if you buy the $200 version, maybe even a stable and flying angels and a star that actually lights up. All trying to capture that eternal moment of discovery. But can I submit to you today that the real power of this story cannot be communicated with just this scene alone because this scene focuses primarily on the wise men's discovery of Jesus. But the real power of this narrative is not in how they came and what they brought, but the real power of the story is in how they left. You understand that surrounding the, the serenity of this scene is an intriguing scenario upon the discovery of the prophecy that there would be a king that would be born, that would be the king of kings. There came a decree from King Herod that every child, every male born baby, two years and younger, that they are to be murdered. And so it is that if Mary's little baby is going to be born, he would have to be born in complete anonymity. And these wise men from the east, uh, we sing we three kings, uh, but they were not really kings. Uh, but rather, if you study the text, uh, they are astrologers. Uh, and they were not so much royalty uh, as they were national dignitaries. And they studied the sky for a living. Uh, it was part of their religion uh, and their belief system. Uh, and it just so happened uh, that their pagan practices, uh, which included seeking out uh, future kings uh, in the constellations of the stars, uh, led them uh, to Jesus. Uh, because even in the fallacy uh, of their false religion, uh, they were sincere uh, in their quest uh, to find the one true uh, and ultimate king. And so right in the middle of their quest, their attention is completely captivated by a star that is unlike any they have ever seen before. But just studying the star was not enough because little did they know that God himself was drawing them out of their tradition, out of their fallacy in order to reveal himself to them. Could I stop for a moment to preach that I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your story is. There is a God in heaven that will use whatever he has to use in your environment to get your attention. There is a God in heaven that loves you enough uh, that no matter where you are, uh, he will find a way uh, to captivate your attention uh, and begin to lead you uh, and guide 
you uh, and draw you. Uh, I wish I had a witness in the building uh, that would testify uh, when I was deceived, uh, when I was lost, uh, when I was undone. Uh, somehow uh, and some way uh, God was able uh, to get my attention uh, and draw me to him. I feel like telling somebody, uh, I don't care how lost you feel. Uh, I don't care how painful your past is. Uh, there is a God that loves you. Uh, and this morning, uh, you're not here on accident. Uh, he has the ability uh, to lead you out of your past. Uh, he has the ability uh, to draw you out of your struggle. Uh, he has the ability uh, to bring you out uh, of whatever bondage uh, you have. Have lived in. They were so moved that they were compelled to leave their country to find this king of kings. Some scholars suggest that they traveled a potential 600 plus miles through the desert and across the Euphrates River in their journey to find Jesus. The magnetism of this star was so great that there was no distance, there was no mountain, there was no desert that could separate them from a God who was drawing them. There are some of us here today that have walked through some long, tough journeys, through some dark nights and lonely days, but can I preach to you today that even when you didn't realize what was guiding you, even when you didn't know how to call his name, God has had his hand up upon you. God has been leading you. God has been guiding you. Not to just some form of religion but to an intimate encounter with him. I came to preach to somebody in the building that God will use whatever he has to. He has a star that will lead you and guide you to where he is. There's nothing too dark that you've been through. There's no valley too rough. There are no mountains too high. There is nothing that can stand in the way of a loving God who is trying to reach you, who is trying to speak to you, who is, who am I preaching to in this building today? You think you're here just because of an invitation. You think you're here because of a family member. But can I suggest to you that there is a God in heaven uh, that is using everything uh, in your environment uh, to try uh, and get your attention uh, because he loves you. God's love is always looking for a way to reach you in the middle of your brokenness in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your confusion, when it looks like life has no other options, when it looks like there's no other way out, 
when it looks like the darkest night is upon you, there is a star in the heavens that will shine brighter than everything else. Oh, and I feel like preaching to somebody today. When you see that star, it demands a response from you. You've got to stand up wherever you are and begin to make up in your mind. I don't know what this means. I don't understand it all, but I've got to follow what I feel. I've got to follow after what I see. It's the hand of God that is leading you and guiding you. I wish somebody in the building would go ahead and give God praise because he found you in your darkest moment. Because he found you when you were lost. He found you when you were deceived. He found you when you were under tyrannical rulership. Somebody in the building ought to give God a praise because he brought you out and he brought you through and he brought you over. Somebody give him a praise. When they arrive at the palace of Herod and they inquire about this king of the Jews, their inquiry of such a dignitary infuriates King Herod. Just the mention of someone else who would possibly hold the title of king was a threat to Herod's rule over the people. You must understand today that Herod was the biblical equivalent of our modern day Saddam Hussein. History writes that amongst those that he killed for fear that they would take over his throne was his own wife and children. He had handfuls of innocent people uh, in his kingdom killed uh, before his funeral uh, to ensure uh, that there was a proper amount of mourning during his death. Herod was a tyrannic dictator that ruled by fear and deception and could not tolerate the idea of those whom he had rule over coming under the headship of a different king. Can I preach to you that the spirit of Herod is alive and well in the world today. The Bible speaking of Satan says that he openeth not the house of his prisoners. The idea to Satan of someone coming out from bondage and someone coming out from his influence is his number one fear. Can I preach to you that Satan will do everything he can to distract you, to lie to you, make false promises to you, to somehow try and detour you from discovering uh, that there is a ruler, uh, there is a king, uh, there is a mighty God uh, that doesn't rule by tyranny uh, and deception, uh, but he rules uh, with a strong hand uh, of deliverance uh, and love. Uh, I'm 
preaching to somebody uh, that the devil will do uh, whatever uh, he has to do uh, to keep you from repenting. Uh, he'll do whatever uh, he has to do uh, to keep you from laying the cigarettes down, uh, from laying the alcohol down, uh, from getting out of addiction. Why? Uh, because he knows uh, he's got a stronghold on you. Uh, and the moment uh, you denounce him, uh, you're on your way uh, to a different king. Uh, I wish I had a witness in the building. Jesus said, uh, the thief uh, cometh not uh, but for to steal, uh, to kill, uh, and destroy. Uh, he said, but I have come uh, that you might have life uh, and that you might have it uh, more abundantly. Uh, I came to preach uh, to somebody in the building. Uh, God's got a life for you. Uh, that's better than anything you can imagine. God's got a life for you that's greater than addiction, that's greater than your heartache, that's greater than depression. It's greater than fear. And he wants to bring you out. And he wants to deliver you. Somebody in this place, I came to preach to you that the king is coming. I said the king is coming. And he came to save you. And he came to rescue you. And he came to deliver you. Somebody give him some... So Herod becomes the self-appointed assassin of Jesus. He is the enemy of God. And Herod calls the wise men into a private meeting and begins to try and spin his devious plan. He tells them, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. The devil is a liar. Woo. In other words, Herod said, go and find Jesus. As a matter of fact, Go and worship him. Just make sure that when you're finished there, that you come back to me. You see, the enemy wants you to keep Jesus on a shelf and pull him out for Christmas. But make sure you put him back in the box for the rest of the year. You can go to church. You can even lift your hands and sing a song and pray a prayer. But make sure that when you're done at church, you come back to me. You come back to bondage. You see, the enemy wants to strike a deal with you. Go ahead and go to church. Search diligently for him. 
go ahead and sing. Clap your hands. Maybe even go to the altar. But make sure when you're finished that you come back to me. I came to preach to somebody. Herod let you come to church today. But he's expecting you back home tomorrow morning. He lets you come today. But Herod is waiting for you to go back tomorrow to the same life you used to live. Go back tomorrow to the way things have always been. Go back on Monday. But when the wise men arrive, there is a sharp contrast between the scene and backdrop in which they find Jesus and his description in Isaiah. You see, Isaiah declares, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, not Jehovah Junior, not the second in the Trinity, not the second in the Godhead. When he shows up, you're going to call him the Mighty God. He's also going to be the Everlasting Father. Not a new father, not an old father. If there's ever a father, this is him. And his name is Jesus. Can I just preach that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one. And his name is Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. He's going to be the Prince of Peace and of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even for forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. They were looking for a palace. They were looking for a royal government facility. But they stumble up upon a stable. They are not looking at a man dressed in dignitary's clothing. But they are looking into the eyes of a child but there is a resonance in their hearts that matches the expectation 
of what they had been waiting for their entire lives. Can I preach to somebody who may have walked in here and said, what is all this? I've never seen it like this. I've never experienced it like this. Can I tell you that God will bring himself and manifest himself to you in ways you never expected, in ways you never thought of, in ways you've never seen before. Get your eyes off the circumstance and get your eyes on the presence of the almighty God because when you look at him face to face you're going to feel the love of a God who gave himself for you. You're going to feel the love of a God who is ready to deliver you. Looking into the eyes of a king who is filled with love and grace not deception and fear I'm almost done music as they as they felt this emanating from him the Bible says that they fell down and worshiped him there was something about this child that when they looked into his eyes it caused them to humble themselves and they began to worship him there was a transformation that began to take place there was a changing of allegiance from one king into another king in that moment when they bowed down before him he became their king and they denounced the rule of Herod in their life why do people come to an altar and bow down because since the birth of King Jesus they have always bowed down in order to worship him moment they bowed themselves there was a changing of rulership over their life they crowned him king over their life as they begin to bow down in submission to him and when they went to sleep the Bible says that God warns them in a dream and he tells them don't go back to Herod if you only knew the plan of Herod Herod told you to come back to him so that he could come where Jesus was but it's a lie Herod's plan is to destroy you Herod's plan is to kill you and then to kill Jesus. Whatever you do, you can't go back the way that you came. 
Can I just take the gloves off this morning uh, and preach to somebody in the building uh, that the enemy of your soul uh, has every intention uh, of finding an opportunity uh, to destroy you uh, before you can ever make Jesus your king. Uh, he is looking for every opportunity uh, to take you out uh, before you ever get a chance uh, to surrender yourself to God. Uh, but God sent an angel, uh, a messenger uh, from heaven uh, into this place today uh, to warn you, uh, don't go home uh, the same way uh, that you came. Uh, I'm preaching to somebody in the building uh, that God wants to do something in your life. Uh, God wants to do something uh, in this service. Uh, and whatever you do, uh, you can't go home uh, the same way you came. Uh, you can't leave this place uh, the same way. Uh, who am I preaching to this morning? Uh, is there anybody in the building uh, who understands uh, and feels the hand of God uh, reaching for you, uh, pulling for you? Uh, is there anybody that would stand on your feet uh, and say, all right, God, uh, I don't understand it all. Uh, all right, God, uh, I can't see it all, uh, but I know what I feel. Uh, I know what I hear. Uh, I know what I sense. Uh, and God, uh, I've got to follow after you. Uh, God, uh, I've got to respond to your hand. Uh, God, uh, I've got to, come on, all over the building. Uh, all over the building, somebody stand on your feet uh, and throw your hands in the air. All over the building, somebody stand to your feet. Uh, lift your hands. Uh, I want you to begin to lift your eyes uh, and look uh, into the eyes uh, of the King today. Come on, in Jesus' name. Hear me this morning. The power of the Christmas story is not what the wise men brought to Jesus. It's not in how they came to him, but it's how they left. When they had that encounter with him, they went home a different way. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I know you came on Christmas Eve, maybe just because it seemed like the right thing to do. But I'm telling you that the power of God is in this house right now. And I don't care what it is you're dealing with. I don't care what kind of issues you have. I don't care what your past looks like. If you would slip your hand up in the air and just begin to tell Jesus, I surrender to you, God. I'm tired of this life I'm living. I'm tired of, come on, if you would do that right now, uh, the power of God uh, is about to do a work in this place. I want you to come all over this house. Come on. Uh, if God's talking to you, I want you to get as close as you can uh, to this. Come on, don't you dare uh, let the enemy talk you into staying in your seat. Uh, come on, here they come. Uh, don't you dare let the enemy talk you uh, into not moving out of your seat. Uh, somebody needs to jump out of your pew uh, and run to this altar uh, and throw your hands in the air. Come on. Uh, come on, don't wait. Uh, don't hesitate. Uh, don't wait for anybody else. Here they come all over this house. Church, would you come with me and help me pray? Church, would you leave your pew? Uh, Church, would you exit where you're sitting uh, and come to the altar and help me pray? That's it. When you get here, lift your hands. When you get here, lift your hands. 
Come on, throw your hands in the air and begin to talk to him. God, I need you today. Jesus, I need you today. Come on. Come on, he's here right now.
Lord, I should. 